Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. And I'm Drew. Drew, I got my voice back. <laughs> so do I, actually. So, I mean, it, it got... <laughs> that got a little, little, little heated. Um, I think our faces were the color of my um, placemats here, very bright red. But we are okay. We've golfed it out twice since then. Um, we've worked it out. We are still, we're still, we're still mates. We're all fine. Um, but uh, we've had actually, it's been nice to have kind of just a regular week of not having to get mad about Chicago sports. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't know what we're referring to, go ahead and check out our last episode. Uh, you'll love us when we're angry. Uh, we, In reference to, to the Hulk. We've linked it on our Twitter at 4D Experience One. Believe me, it is worth the listen. Yeah, it's a long episode. It's an hour and a half long, which is one of our longest. But uh, it's worth to listen to the setup and then the big debate at the end. So uh, we hope that everyone who has enjoyed it uh, has and continues to do that. So we got a little bit of a different episode today. Uh, the Bulls and the Blackhawks are done, so they are off of our agenda. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to necessarily talk a lot about the Blackhawks until kind of the Stanley Cup gets awarded because there really isn't a whole lot that they can really do. Um, you know, the NHL playoffs, which we will talk about a little bit, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs. You're kind of in, uh, you know, limbo until the league year kind of rolls over, until we see the NHL draft come on, and that's going to get pushed back than what it normally does. So we're probably looking mid-July before we get a lot of hockey news. But um, from what I have heard, when it's going to come, it's going to come in bushels. So uh, we, we will keep our eyes on it, and we'll get to you uh, what we know when we know it. And we are looking for the Bulls and Blackhawks to make some big moves yes. this summer, so we'll definitely stay tuned to that. But Yeah, yeah it's going to be a busy offseason. It's just that it hasn't started yet for them. The team that we need to give some more airtime to. Absolutely. Uh, the Chicago Cubs. Who are you know, literally pounding their way into your subconscious, whether they might, whether you like it or not. I mean, they've been playing outstanding of late. 12 of their last 15. Drew, not only did they sweep the Pirates this week, they swept the week. Yes. They didn't lose a game all week. Very impressive. Well, it is the Pirates, which is the almost equivalent of a AAA team. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, good baseball all the way around. The pitch, The starting pitching has come around. You know, they're the dancing on the right side of, of the Razor's edge, um, but doing it very well. The bullpen has continued to, to pitch very well. Craig Kimbrell continues to be a thing. He's um, lights out. You know, he's probably now all the way back from whatever, you know, uh, Gremlin had gotten him, you know, when he had that weird offseason where he didn't pitch for half the year. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to see. Um, and, and we can talk about – when we get there, a bit of an all-timer play by one Javi Baez. <laughs> yes, SportsCenter has had a field day all week <laughs> with that. But, uh, you know, we got to start with the Cardinals at the beginning of the week because it's a big series for the Cubs. They're sitting in second place going into this series, um, and they took two of three from the cards. And that Sunday game goes into extra innings. It was 0-0 going into the 10th inning. Baez hits a two-run shot. Um, you know, they were literally, the Cardinals players were making fun of the Cubs. You could hear it on the mics because they were not getting hits. Brian had two of the three hits. Uh, and they were making, you can hear it on audio, them making fun of the Cubs until Bias hits his two-run blast. <laughs> then they shut up very quickly. But uh, the pitching again, like you mentioned, uh, Tempara comes in, bases loaded, nobody out, with the top of the order for the Cardinals, right? That's Wayne, a tough spot. Wainwright just got on because of a fielder's choice, and the guy was safe, which loaded the bases. Now you got Arenado and Goldschmidt up. And you're thinking, man, Cardinals are going to put it on them. And it was like sixth inning. It was late in the game. Cubs weren't doing anything. You're like, this is it. This is where the Cubs drop one and lose two or three to the cards, and, you know, Cubs are Cubs. But he got out of it, and he got both of them out. I think one uh, – I forget who – which one did what, but one popped out. Uh, and then I think the other one struck out and Tampara got out of it. And you're just like, still alive. Yeah, wait a minute now. Now we've got something. Um, really impressive game on Sunday to get out of there um, and maybe demoralize the cards a little bit before they came to Chicago to play the White Sox. Who helped them? Who the helped way, the Cubs out quite a bit, which about. was an even bigger. You knew that they were playing the White Sox. So if you can take two or three and then have the White Sox do your dirty work for you, this could be a really great stretch and put you in some good positions. And then you got the Pirates coming out, and the Pirates are just so bad. 
They're so bad. Um, and, the, and the Cubs put it on them. They won 4-3 to three the first game, 4-1 the second game, and 5-3 to complete the sweep in the third. But that um, it was the last game that really stole the headlines for baseball, for yes. all of baseball. Everybody was talking about this, whether you were a Chicago this fan. Was, this was a play, trust me, you probably have seen it. If you haven't seen it, just throw it into the Google machine. Just Javi Baez, Pittsburgh Pirates is all that you have to do. We've also shared that on our Twitter. Yes. <laughs> or go there, you know, which is also a good place to, to get some stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of kind of a Keystone Cops type uh, play um, where it's basically you see all you kids literally. Yes, like where all you have to do is touch first base and nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it, Dan, do you want to take us through it? or Yeah, so uh, Baez is hitting. Uh, we have a runner on third. Yes. Um, there With are two, two outs, outs. Which is important. Which very is important. Very important to the situation. Baez grounds to third. The throw is offline, pulling the first baseman off of the bag. Baez wants the runner to score prior to him being tagged out. So he starts running backwards to home. And now, the thing about that is it didn't matter what Baez did. Baez could have run to Timbuktu and it wouldn't have mattered correct. because all the Pittsburgh Pirate guy has to do is step on first base. The dude coming home could have scored. It wouldn't have mattered because it's a force out. So then the run can't score. But instead, when Baez starts running back... But everybody home, forgot how many outs there were, apparently. The first baseman decides he wants to tag Baez, which is sometimes that happens. But instead of, like, running full speed at Baez, he sort of, like, half jogs. It's weird. And then Baez starts running back towards the plate. Yes. And then at a certain point, the runner from third starts breaking towards home. The first baseman gets flustered. I can only... I don't know what was going through his head. Was he was just trying to get an out somewhere and forgot what the situation was. He lobs the ball to the catcher. The run slides in. Javi Baez literally stands there, makes the safe call, (laughs) then realizes, oh, shoot, I need to run. Because it's still a force play. And he bolts towards first base. The catcher picks up, throws to first, wild, goes into right field. Yeah, because now the second baseman is trying to come over to cover now the vacant... First base. So throw goes into right field. Baez gets up from his slide at first and sprints toward second. The throw from right field gets by the shortstop and Javi stopped because really the the ball didn't bound away far enough. But I mean, that is an an all timer play. The best is to find it with the Pittsburgh uh, radio Uh call because if you want to talk about. uh, a couple of guys who probably watched a lot of baseball and had uh, their baseball sensibilities greatly offended. It was those two dudes. So check it out. It's an awesome video. You know, um, it's kind of a microcosm of that series. It's just how it went. It was all going the Cubs way. Anthony Rizzo's in the dugout dying yes. of laughter. So, I mean, let's just – that was a fun – Lovely baseball moment. There should be nothing else said about it other than it was, a, like I said, it's an all-timer play. All-timer. It, it'll go down. It'll be like the Jose Canseco home run off of his head kind of highlight. You'll be seeing this one for 30 years. I do feel bad for the first baseman. You know, at the, at the end in the press conference, he's just like, I messed up. Yeah. I, I just messed up. Like, what, what can you do? He's a human. It yeah. happens. And yeah. Javi Baez is doing Javi Baez things. So, you know, it is what it is. I think Javi Baez said a quote after the game, like, I'm way better at taking people than they are at taking me, or some, something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing. Well, it, it also goes to show, um, know how many outs there are. You know, when they do those, you know, signals around the infield, you might want to pay attention. Yeah. Just a little bit. No, you know, every baseball coach that you've ever had would always tell you, like, think about the play before the play happens, so when it happens, you know exactly what you're going to do. Um, and, and even then... You know, people get flustered. Yeah, it was it was a human moment, if nothing else. For sure. Um, but yeah, all timer. Um, the Cubs then went on to play the Reds this weekend and uh, have taken the first two games uh, last night, Friday, and today we're recording on Saturday. Um, they won today in big fashion, ten to two. Um, yet somehow the only home run was Ortega. So they did it playing relative small ball, which is great for the Cubs. If they can score runs that way, then. They're in business, man. Um, yeah, bats coming to life. 
again, what we've kind of said is it's a warm weather team. Uh, it's now starting to get warm out. It got warmer out today than it certainly was Friday. I could not believe that in the massive wind that was yesterday, that they, they that game win is is one one to nothing. I was expecting when I saw what, blowing in. When I, well, even still, it can blow sideways. I mean, yeah. I've seen games at Wrigley Field. Uh, the first thing I said was, "This is going to be like a thirteen to twelve game, simply because the ball going to go up and where you think it's going to go, and it's going to go that way, yeah. <laughs> and it's not going to end up where you thought it was going to be." Um, but no, one to nothing. Oof. You know, obviously the wind blowing in. I saw a stat. I think it was a Jock Peterson. Uh, shot that would have gone out of any other stadium on any other day other yes. than yesterday. I think it was it was brought back approximately 35 feet, uh, which is massive. So the jet stream was a blowing in the windy city yesterday. Um, Bodie Coop- did have a home run in that game, but it was like a low line drive that barely got over the wall, kind of rattled around the, the basket. That, that was the only type of ball that was leaving that yard yesterday. Correct. Yeah, that, that didn't get above the stands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a very low line drive shot. Um, but no, the, the Cubs are playing great baseball. Um, and now it leads to the question, if you're Jed Hoyer, you know, we already saw the move to, to, to part ways with you, Darvish. We saw what looked to be the beginning of the breaking apart. We've let Kyle Schwarber go, John Lester, Lester, you know, you know, poor one for the fallen for John Lester, because, you know, that was a good guy that, that, that they had to let go. Um, now it's what you thought was going to be kind of this gradual picking apart of that team has played itself into a position where you can't necessarily make a call yet. You have to let this play out. I mean, if, if you were to do that now, you would, what, what fans you're now getting back into the stands will revolt. Um, it would be worse than the white flag trade from the White Sox from, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, I think you got to let this ride out and see where this goes. See where this takes you. See how good they can actually do. Well, you've hit one mile marker. It's Memorial Day weekend. Yep, yep. And the Cubs have proven themselves to be a player. Um, I, I think they're not a total fluke at this point. Um, they're a threat. So now you probably look at maybe July 4th to the end of July in that period. Where are you in those weeks? Because, look, the Cubs have assets. People want Chris Bryant, including mm. the team on the south side. People want Craig Kimbrell, including the possibly the team on Craig Kimbrell, including the team on the south side. So the, the problem with the Sox is they don't have a whole lot of assets. I don't think they have it, what's in the tank that would get those. No, guys. I mean they don't have. It's all at the major league level now. It's not back in the minors. Yeah, like you'd have to, to give it. up maybe Vaughn at least to get Bryant. Or or if if Jake Berger continues to, to rake for the Sox, like he has been doing in triple a, that may be one, maybe, maybe, but I mean, that's, but they don't have much. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking one or two, maybe interesting. And names. if you're the Cubs and you're trading, the these Cubs guys, are looking for a the, ransom, the, the, the yeah. building blocks of basically another run in, in two or three years. Yes. So those price tags are not going to be cheap, nope. but Bryant's a free agent. Kimbrell's a free agent. Baez is a free agent. Rizzo's a free, like, so, so they will be motivated to get something. And, and and that also begs the question, if you let this go too long and they're hanging around, hanging around, and they're not quite there, you know, what if they're like that tantalizing two and a half games back at the trade deadline? Oh, what a call is that going to do? I mean, you, you'd you have to think yeah. Jed's phone is going to be ringing off the hook. Absolutely. Right. Um and, and and that then becomes a major, a major conundrum. I don't know what I would do. I, I would... I would think if I was that close and you could maybe do one more run, I think you owe it to those guys to give them one more run. But again, we've seen what happens when the weather starts to get cold again and the bats tend to go quiet. Is this the one time that it doesn't happen? It happened in 2016. I don't know. It is such a tough call. But And, you know, for, for a guy who didn't think he was going to be in the hot seat, now his team has played him into it. Yeah. It'll be a really interesting call. Obviously, Bryant's hitting over 300. He's he's batting amazingly well. Um, I don't see him coming back in free agency. I think he's out the door. So that's a big question mark. Yeah. I don't think Kimbrell's going to be back only because the year he's having, he's going to want a big payday, and I don't think the Cubs are going to pay up for it. Uh, Baez, you can go either way. Uh, I do think they're going to re-sign Rizzo. I think they're going to plant their flag with Rizzo. He's just the face of the franchise. They're going to ride or die with him. 
whether Rizzo wants that or not with everybody else vacating. Right, right. Is yeah. another mean, question. Yeah. And, you know, reports are that they blatantly insulted him with his, with their first offer. Um, yeah, it didn't go so well. It was like under $100 million, um, less than half of what Goldschmidt got at about the same age. Yeah, that came out during the Sunday night telecast. Uh, not a great offer for a guy that's done a lot for your franchise and for the city of Chicago, for that matter. Um, he's a great, you know, charities guy and great for the community. Yeah, Jed Hoyer, man, he's going to earn his paycheck this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and but you know, I mean, we do have some time. We will obviously continue to watch. I will watch them much more closely than I than I had been. I mean, I've been watching them, but I will will give more than a passing eyeball. Uh, to the team on the north side, which has played themselves into a bit of a race here. And I think that's part of their their charm this year is that they're flying under the radar. No one is expecting anything from them. Still, probably. Like, people, they've won 12 of their last 15 games, and I don't think anybody's really talking about them, which is to their probably preference yeah. of just like, no, don't look at us. Don't talk no, about there's us. There's nothing to we'll just, see here. Nope. We're just going to play baseball every By day. By the way, it's, it's it. August and we're two games back. Or we're win, or we're in first in the division. So, And it's a weak division other than the Cardinals. Uh, there's no other team in that division that really scares me. So it's there for the taking if the Cubs are willing to sit in it. And we shall see what they do. Well, you know a team that's not flying under the radar that's been talked about way too much? <laughs> the White Sox. The White Sox. Um, not flying under the radar. And all I have to say is the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles cure all ills. Yeah, that's really nice when that team pops up on your schedule. It was good timing because, you know, the Yankees um, are in third place in the AL East, but that does not mean they're bad. No. There are four very solid teams in the AL the East. The AL East is ridiculously stacked. You thought the Central was going to be ridiculously stacked. And to a to an a certain extent it is, but we have one team that, that just isn't you know in that mix yet, and that's the Twins, who got hot for a little bit, and then they've they I think they lost today that that snapped their I'm surprised four, the Indians four are, game winning streak. But at. the Indians have hung around. So, um, but yeah, tough weekend last weekend for the White Sox. They they get swept by the Yankees. They lose Sunday five to four. Uh, they did some some good things in that game. They did manage to get a, a hit off of. Uh, uh, Oh gosh, what the heck is his name? Um, the closer, Chapman. Chapman, Aroldis Chapman. Um, Vaughn got a big hit. Andrew Vaughn yeah. got the home run, so that was good. Uh, and then the St. Louis Cardinals came to town, and the White Sox. Bit of a story. It was for better or worse. It was Tony La Russa managing against his old team, and they they won the first two games. Uh, nice win on Monday, five to one. Lance Lynn, uh, seven innings pitched, one earned run. Michael Kopech had two scoreless innings. Andrew Vaughn, again, um, two for four, home run. Tim Anderson, one for four, two RBI. You mean Mercedes getting back to doing kind of what he needs to do, two for three with an RBI. Uh, Tuesday versus the Cardinals, big win. Lucas Giolito in a battle of the oh, – what is the high school? I, I forget the high school name. But it, but it, it's, it was the, the, the major, like, baseball hub of Southern California matchup between Lucas Giolito <laughs> And, and Jack, Jack Flaherty. Flaherty. And then Max Freed, who's the other one, who might be the best of the three of them pitching down in Atlanta. Right, right. Ooh. So, I mean, that that high school program they on, lose a game? on full display. And Lucas Giolito pitched like the ace that we were expecting. Uh, he got the win. Liam Hendricks did uh, manage to pick up a save. Uh, Jose Abreu, two for five, home run, four RBIs. That's a good night. Yoan Moncada got in on the party, two for four with an RBI. Nick Madrigal actually got in on the party as well, three for four. Uh, uh, yeah, three for four with an RBI as well. Uh, moving to Wednesday, tough game. Sox got a lot of guys on. They could not get them in for one way, run reason or another. Carlos Rodon takes a hard luck loss and a 4 nothing defeat. Six, inning, six innings pitched, one earned run. Give the guy some run support. He's definitely doing his job. K's no walks. Yeah. No, I mean, your, your early um, front runner for the Cy Young is probably yeah. one Carlos Rodon in yeah. the AL. Uh, and he's certainly pitching like it. Um, bullpen could not hold the Cardinals down late. Aaron Bummer. Guy looks like the type of guy that needs to go see the pitch lab. Um, giving up another run. Ruiz comes in in the ninth, gives up two runs. Game was pretty much out of reach at that point. So Madrigal got a few hits, which was good. They got guys on. They just could not get them in. 
Um, and then Thursday versus the Orioles. Like I said, it's always good when Baltimore Orioles come to town. Uh, Dylan Cease also pitching very, very well. Uh, six innings pitched, one earned run, 10 Ks. Uh, you mean Mercedes, two for four with three RBIs, getting back to the uh, good column. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, Nick Mandrigal, each went two for four. Uh, Yuri Garcia went two for three. Abreu and Hamilton each with an RBI. Uh, the game on Friday was the crazy weather that was windy in the afternoon for the Cubs, turned rainy in the evening. I should know because I literally drove into that squall <laughs> coming home from the office. Uh, so that game did not happen. Uh, and Saturday, uh, they had a doubleheader, which they swept against the Orioles. Uh, Lance Lynn getting a victory tonight. Uh, Dallas Keuchel getting a victory earlier today as well. Liam Hendricks, in a bit of interesting symmetry, got two saves pitched against the same three batters and recorded the same three outs in both games. I think, you know, the, the White Sox bullpen, um, not to start on a down note, but um, the White Sox bullpen is a mixed bag of either their lights out or they give up the game, basically. Like our starting pitching has been... No, the White Sox starting pitching is not Immaculate. No. Um, you know, the worst pitcher has has maybe been Giolito, and that's and that's saying something, right? Um, but the bullpen, like Bummer, got off to a great start this year. And, they, they've and, had guys do some ups and downs. You know, we've seen yeah. the struggles of Matt Foster. Um, we've seen some other guys. You know, Bummer is a guy who they count on for high leverage situations late, mm -hmm. specifically like the eighth inning. He's a big lefty that they can use. Big lefty with some nasty stuff. And nobody's they're all laying off the slider. And if he can't get that over for a strike, he tends to struggle. Bit of a victim of a lot of walks is what I've seen. I know he loaded the bases tonight, and then uh, Cody Hoyer came in and got him out of it, only giving up one run. So, you know, there's – that. like I said, that may be a guy who you almost wish you could unplug and, and reset for a little bit, and, and hopefully he comes good, you know, during um, the stretch run because uh, they're going to need him. Uh, Liam Hendricks can be maddeningly inconsistent at times. And even though his earned run average is relatively low, he tends to sometimes give up, you know, the, the game winning walk off. Yeah, it only counts as one run, <laughs> but it matters when you lose the game. So um, I, I don't have nearly, like, if you were, if you were to compare the two closers, Kimbrell versus Hendricks, I'm taking Craig Kimbrell right now and oh, going to well. go off the door with him. Um, not to keep comparing the Cubs and the Sox, although, you know, how it's fun not? to do and it's Chicago and yeah. this is how we roll. Uh, but I saw a stat uh, the other day and uh, it was something along the lines of the Cubs bullpen has pitched like the last 38 innings and not given up a run. <clears throat> like their bullpen, you know, has been just phenomenal uh, to a lot of people's surprise. Um, and it's something that you'd like to see from the Sox because really this is one of their only weaknesses, um, which is amazing considering some of the offensive injuries that they've had. But if they can figure out a way, uh, and believe me, I can assume it's the topic of many conversations in the offices of Tony Larusa and their pitching coach and, and a bunch of others to figure out like, guys, how can we lock down a game at the end of the game? We can't have Lance Lynn or Rodon or Giolito going eight, seven, eight innings every night. We got to have no. You, you need you need guys you can trust. You need guys to be consistent that, that you can trust. And and I don't. If there is a flaw to the game, um, it's that, and it's sometimes getting guys in with guys on base. Um, those are the two areas that you know are hindering the Sox a little bit. Um, but they are in, still in first place, and they are um, like I said, it's always good when the Orioles come to town. They cure a lot of ills. Um, the Yankee series kind of exposed it a little bit, but uh, it's a long season, long way to go. Yeah, the White Sox, like you said, are still in good shape. So we'll kind of see where they're going. And, um, you know, we'll keep an eye on the bullpen. We'll keep an eye on the pitching situation. We got a couple of pitchers. Bullpen situations uh, made worse by the fact that, you know, Cease and Kopech are coming off injuries. Well, and, and, and Kopech had kind of a weird moment in the game Wednesday against St. Louis where it looked like he – did something to his his leg or his I think knee it was hamstring tightness or, is yeah. what they called it. Yeah, hamstring tightness, and then he went on the bereavement list, so we don't know exactly why. But that's three days off. Um, so we hope 
that whatever he's dealing with, uh, whether it be a, a baseball related thing or a personal thing, uh, that he can get that resolved and can come back and be the dude that he's been because he's going to be a weapon. If you know, if Bummer can't do it, you're going to see more of Kopech. I'd like I'd like to think as as we get closer to crochet. significant meaningful like baseball. to see a little bit more crochet, even though he was out earlier with yeah. an injury too this season. So you know, managing these arms is is always you know top of the list, but. We'll see. We'll see how the White Sox again. Yep. They're in first place. They're looking good. Um, and we'll hey, look at that! Way. We got through the White Sox, and we didn't have to yell at each other. Oh, look at us! We did good. Look at us. So um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to go into some other directions. We're going to talk a little NBA and NHL playoffs, as those have been in full swing. Uh, and we'll talk a little other stuff. We'll talk a little bit about the Chicago Sky, whose season has gotten underway. We'll also talk about the PGA Championship since, you know, we, you know, we golfed it out last weekend. We golfed it out today. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, that course, and, and some of the uniqueness to it. So come on back, and uh, we'll catch up with you in a minute. All right, so we're back from break, getting ready to talk some NBA playoff basketball. It's been an interesting uh, first round. Um, followed a little bit of the, the trials and tribulations of the L.A. Lakers and uh, – that's a team that, you know, you gave them a second life and look what they're doing with it. Yeah, the Lakers probably have, obviously, the biggest storylines just because of, uh, you know, LeBron and, and Anthony Who they Davis are. And, and, yeah, and, you know, the glitz and the glamour of L.A. And, and they're playing a really young um, Phoenix Suns team, except for Chris Paul, who's having, unfortunately, some shoulder troubles that's hindering him because I think that's a different team with him as a floor general out there makes – uh, oh, you know, in- injuries affect NBA, I think, more than, than anybody. Yeah, you know, Chris Paul really gets that machine going there in Phoenix, and without him on the court, um, they struggle to get a little offensive efficiency. But, um, you know, the Lakers are up 2-1, um, playing in L.A. Uh, for game four. So, you know, this it's dangerous for the mm-hmm. Suns. You're in that danger mode, and um, you're hoping not to have a gentleman's sweep and, and get out of here. Um, but... We'll see. Um, LeBron hasn't played that great. Um, you know, there's whispers that he's still banged up from an injury that he's suffered. Um, AD is not healthy either. He doesn't look healthy. He had a big game last game to put them up to one, but, uh, you know, it's they're not clicking on all cylinders is, I guess, what the point is. Um, but Yeah, I mean, the chances now, if, if you want to go with the King, now's a great chance to go at him. But you make sure you best not miss. You know, the West The West has some teams. I mean, you know, the Nuggets and the Blazers are duking it out. They're throwing down right now. They're tied 2-2. Two to two. They, uh, Blazers just won today. Um, that's the series I see going seven because neither team likes to play defense. They score a whole bunch of points. Um, the Blazers are focused on keeping Jokic in check, uh, who, by the way, it, when I grow up, I want my basketball game to be like Nikola Jokic because it's gorgeous. Um, it's very pretty, I will admit. He pretty. looks like he's playing in slow motion, but everything's perfection. Um, and then Dame Lillard is really good. <laughs> For everybody who doesn't know because he plays in Portland on the West Coast, stay up one of these nights to watch him play. He's phenomenal. The Bulls should, if you've been watching Bulls all year, they should know because Dame Lillard had a shot over a seven-foot Lowry market <laughs> to win a game in the final second. Um but no, that Nuggets and Blazer series, if it's on, I try to watch it because it's entertaining. Um, and then the Mavericks and the Clippers. Um, Dallas Gantich. got out. Dallas got out to a huge lead last night. Yeah, um, and the Clippers caught them and passed them. And the the stat line it's not um, Luka Doncic, it's Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah. who is just dragging that Dallas team down. I mean, for a dude on a max contract, nine points in a playoff game. Uh, hello, he, where are you? We he need needs you. to step up. He Yikes. needs to step up. Because right now, Doncic is I, – but you can tell, like, that team, if you watch that team, anybody who has the ball not named Doncic is looking for where to give the ball to Luka Doncic. It's like, you take it, you take it, you take it. It's it's the equivalent of the, the old Vancouver Canuck teams with with the Sedin twins. Where's Henrik? Where's Henrik? Where's Henrik? Yes. <laughs> but and to your point, Porzingis is a seven foot three guy that can hit. Th- Man, you got to step up and you got to put some points on the board. Um, 
you, you got to give Doncic help because as great and, and phenomenal Doncic as he is. And Doncic needs also to make a free throw or two. He does. That would help. Um, not also, to say that he's not doing his part. He is. but Oh, he's doing – He's struggling he's doing from the more free throw. I think he was on a stat the other day with like the most points scored through their first eight playoff games or whatever it was. And he's on a list with like Michael Jordan and Will Chamberlain and like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it's I'm like, good. it's a nuts list. And he's the only current player on it. Um, including LeBron. So uh, Luca is sensational. And he's another one. I know it's a West Coast team, but if you can, stay up and watch him play because he's a treasure and he's like 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, he is a crazy Seven foot two guy who can nail a three-point shot uh, without basically having to try very hard. Yeah, it's um, – and uh, no, the Clippers, the, the Clippers, we can't let them off the hook here. You have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Get your stuff together. You're a better team than this. And the Mavericks beat you last year and knocked you out and sent you home. They're about to do the same this year. If they're not careful. And they they have no answer for Luka. They can't figure out how to guard him. I know how to guard him. Don't let him drop step left. Every time he takes a dribble back, uh, back step left and he hits that three. He hits that jumper. all the, Force him right. For gosh sakes. Force him right yeah. once. But anyway, uh, not saying that he can't hit that shot either because he's amazing. But at least don't let him get to his spot. There are some guys in the NBA that you just literally have to go, oh, come on. Yes. And, you know, it, and we've talked about a couple of them already. Dame yeah. Lillard and, and Luka Doncic are right up there. Yeah. Um, the, Utah ja- the Utah Jazz, man, do not – they were the first place team in the Western Conference for a reason. Um, they are really good. I, you know, the Grizzlies – Bless them. They're they're trying their hardest, and they're throwing all kinds of effort at at the Jazz, and that might make this a tighter series than many may project. But um, I fully expect Utah Jazz to uh, play out to their potential, win that series, and then they're challengers to the Lakers too. I, I mean, any of these teams, uh, it's not easy. Walking through the West is not easy. Um, they're all good. Uh, the East, yeah. Whoever comes out of the West is is got to be favored. They're got they're loaded. Um, the East is not as deep. Uh, I mean, the Bucks discarded the Miami Heat like they were just trash on the side. Of, I mean, just done. Uh, Jimmy Butler did not have a good series. Um, when you've set your team up to be the only guy and the only guy doesn't have a good series, yeah, that's a problem. Tyler Hero was a no show. Bam Adebayo <laughs> looked undersized against Giannis and Brook Lopez. Um, Drew Holiday being the point guard, you know, us as Bulls fans are are looking for a point guard. Well, you're seeing the Suns have Chris Paul being a floor general. You're seeing the Bucks have Drew Holiday being a floor general. The Bucks look great right now, so you know maybe that's all they needed because it used to be in, in past years Giannis being the one man. Well, show. Giannis needed somebody to play off of and, somebody, and that seems to be who stepped up for for the time being. So big acquisition. Yeah, let, let's see what that happens as well. Uh, Sixers well on their way to sweeping the the Wizards uh, as hard as Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook play. And Daniel Gafford, by the way, who's a Chicago Bull trade at the trade deadline, who's playing great basketball for the Wizards. So, you know, kudos to him and great to see him have success. But they ain't the Sixers, and they're about to get swept. Yeah. Um, So the uh, Sixers are up 3-0 on them. Uh, the Hawks and the Knicks is a very interesting series. You got a super offensive oriented team in the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young. And then you got the super Tom Thibodeau defensive oriented Knicks team with Julius Randle, who has not played well at all in these three games. Um, Derrick Rose, though, has. <laughs> he dropped like 24. I'm bringing everything back to the Bulls. Derrick Rose dropped like 24 the other night and looked like Derrick Rose. And I'm like, oh, okay. Once every okay. couple months, he Ooh. does that. He's, he reminds you, like, yes. oh, wait, I'm really talented. He still has some talent in in, in those legs. Uh, so the Hawks are up 2-1 in that series. And then, you know, the big marquee team in the East, uh, at least with all of the big names, uh, the Brooklyn Nets with their triple-headed monster of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are leading the Celtics 2-1. Um, the one that the Celtics got was because of a Tatum 50-point piece. Um but, you know, I'm still not sold on the Nets. The Celtics are not great. They were struggling coming into the playoffs. The Nets, 
Um, you know, they're they're great, obviously. Um, but we'll see what happens when they play the Sixers or the Bucks. That's really who I want to see them play. I don't care about any other team in the East <laughs> except for those three. Yeah. It's those three are bust. And and you're gonna see the natural, I think, decanting of the East until you get those. Yeah. So wake me when the Nets play one of those other two teams, and then we'll have a series. Um so yeah, the the playoff. In the NBA, it they're, always... they're off and running. It, it's nice to see everybody playing at their hardest. There's no, there's no ulterior motives. There's no enhanced rest. There's none of that. Um, it, it's it's big time basketball played by big time people. So I like how they're swapping days. There's not these four or five days off between. Like, get out of here with that. I love this forty eight hour turnaround of like you play off day play. Great setup. Great setup. Mm-hmm. Loving it. And with fans back in the stands, you know that that's always helpful. It, it makes for a better. It makes atmosphere. for a huge impact. A yes. lot of the players have already said like how much better. LeBron James. This is the first time he's played a home game in the playoffs in LA. In LA, yeah, he he's been the there bubble. three years. Figure yeah. that one out. Yeah. Mind blowing. But um, yeah, so some interesting storylines in the NBA playoffs. We'll continue to kind of update you guys on the progress uh, going forward. Um, but Drew, what's going on in the NHL playoffs? Well, I see a theme in your notes here. <laughs> and that theme would be, oh my gosh, it's a lot of overtime. Oh, so many. So, um, many. so the, the Islanders have dispatched of Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games. Three of those went to overtime. Uh, the Bruins uh, dispatched of Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals. So NBC doesn't get to have its uh, Crosby versus Ovechkin oh, orgasm. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so you know, we, get, we get spared that whole dog and pony show. Uh, for this year, because uh, caps are gone. But that was four overtimes out of the five games. Uh, the Hurricanes, uh, who we always said wasn't didn't look like a really great team. At certain times in the series, they didn't look all that great against the Predators. Um, but they dispatched the Nashville Predators four games to two. Um, all of those games went to overtime. So probably a lot tighter than even the series score would indicate. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, dispatched my adopted team. I had adopted the Florida Panthers because really? Quenville and the the, uh, the logo looks like Joel Quenville, and it had all the former Hawks on it. And no, that that lasted one whole series. And but those were some amazing games. Um, a lot closer than a lot think. closer than that. That high scoring looks. too. Yes, very high scoring. Very high scoring. Lots of skill on display. Um, but yeah, Tampa Bay doing what Tampa Bay does. So they ended up winning. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have dispatched, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, your MVP walking away. Um, last year, the Hawks got him (laughs) this year. It's, it's the Winnipeg Jets. So he goes home again. Talking about Ovechkin and Crosby, I think the NHL is like, can we get McDavid on primetime? Because he's amazing. Well, it, it, well it, yes, exactly. Because I, I, you know, you're, all your stars are, are going to be out again. Um, so it, it, it's shaping up, and, and, it, and the team that it looks dominant and does have some stars that you're going to learn about in the next few weeks. I think the Colorado Avalanche. Boy, is that a stacked team! And they made <laughs> uh, the St. Louis Blues look old. Look slow and goodbye. All these overtimes, we have the playoffs. Notice my note on there. Not even close. <laughs> I have some friends down in St. Louis that I've done some recordings with recently, Ooh. and they just said, "Don't ask me about hockey." Oh, they got their tails. <laughs> they got their tails. Wet. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights actually uh, have also defeated the Minnesota Wild in seven games. That was a very close series all the way throughout. Only one of those games, however, went to overtime. Uh, and as we're watching right now, the Maple Leafs are going to do it again. They got up to a 3-1 to one lead in their series. It's not; They're now up 3-2. They look, unless they rally big time in this third period, that they may do it again and go seven. Um, I don't know what, what, what hockey god has cursed the Maple Leafs, but they have not won a playoff series since like 2004. Um, and that looks to possibly happen again. They're so good. And the they are. are not I mean, good it is at a all. stacked team. It's got Austin Matthews. There's a lot of good names on it. Um, but, you know, here come the Canadians. Uh, and like I said, unless, unless Toronto can rally, they're going to be in another game seven <laughs> at home. Uh, and things don't go well for Toronto's in, in game seven recently. So that's kind of a rundown of your NHL playoff 
standings as kind of as they are. We are kind of going into the next round, which will be the division final. And then we finally get into some crossover matchups. Um, a lot of these teams have played each other the entire year. Uh, so we don't need any crossover until the conference final um, to cut down on travel. Obviously, COVID still being a thing. It's, it is nice to see that there are fans in the stands in Canada, which even as of last week was not the case. So um, that's always good. The numbers in the U.S. continue to be good. So things hopefully will continue to open up and we will have hopefully a full, uh, fully fan participant start Stanley Cup final, which would be awesome. Yeah, um, hopefully the NHL and Canada can kind of iron out what they need to iron out um, to make some of those games possible uh, when we get to the conference final. Yeah, let's hope there's not a two-week lag. Yes. Um, and, you know, one of the bigger headlines, you mentioned the Penguins and the Caps, uh, which are some big names. But, man, the Oilers, I mean, they didn't just get beat by the Jets. Swept. <laughs> but And I get it. Connor and, Hellebuck. And, and, and look – one of those games, the Oilers were up big time, and the Jets rallied from like three goals down. Yeah, um, and and won the game in overtime. So it, it wasn't like it wasn't like the Hawks series where there was no defense. There was defense. It just again for whatever reason, uh, McDavid and Drysidle, two household names, the uh, top two in the just points. don't show up in the playoffs. Mind-boggling. Like, one of those games was one zero in overtime. <laughs> like yeah. how? And, and again, Hellebuck is a great goalie, and he's probably going to be your U.S. goalie, starting goalie for the Olympics coming up next year. But assuming we go to the Olympics. assuming the Olympics are a thing, but man, if you're the NHL, you got to be like your star power just went away again. I mean, you got the Lightning still, but no one really is fawning over Tampa Bay. No, I mean it's it's not a it's not a heritage hockey city by any stretch. Exactly. Um, but there's some talent on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the team that you're going to see um, the NHL, the marketers get behind uh, are, are the, the guys on the Colorado Avalanche because that is a stack team that you're going to learn. That's another really offensive quick. heavy team yes. that they can put some points on. The Brandon Saad scored a really nice goal. Yes, he did. I did notice that. Again, you know, kudos to him, and it's great to see him have success. It was nice to see some some guys, even, even, even in the teams that, that lost, like Matthew Highmore, was playing really well for Minnesota and getting big minutes in the playoffs, which was good. Um, so, you know, kudos to all those guys. All the guys in Florida that the Hawks have traded down there, uh, I thought, equated themselves very well in, in a losing effort. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is – it's the second season. It goes on for a, a bit of a long time. I mean, we're at the end of May. I'd expect this to go till mid-July. Um, so we'll be talking hockey even when it gets warm. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of interesting stories still with the NHL, so we will keep an eye on that as well. And um, next up, we got some uh, Chicago Sky basketball after so they, the break. Yeah, yes, I mean they. Okay, so we are going to break. So yes. we're going to take a quick we'll take break. A break. Uh, come on back. We'll we'll talk a little bit about WNBA, which is their season has now tipped off, and we'll talk a little bit of golf because it just seems. Uh, you know, we've had our second major of the year, and it's it's time to talk a, talk a little golf. So come on back. All right, so we're back from break, and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Chicago Sky, our WNBA team here in Chicago, um, supporting the female side of the basketball world. Um, you know, they're, they're starting their season with big hopes. Um, they had, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a big acquisition uh, that made some shockwaves through the sport uh, of basketball, not just the women's side. Yeah, the men's true. side talked about it, too. That's true. Um, Candace Parker returns home. Uh, if you're unfamiliar or that name sounds familiar but a little vague, she went to Naperville Central High School, was a massive basketball story. Um, I believe she participated in the all like the McDonald's slam dunk contest. Uh, she's about 6'4". Yeah, she's really, really good. She's really good. Um, you can make an argument that, you know, she might be one of the better Chicago basketball players, men or women, when it's all said and done at the, she'll have, she's a hall of famer. Yeah. Her, I mean, career I mean, her resume, WNBA, even before coming here is amazing. Five time all-star, two time MVP, her career numbers, 17 points per game, eight and a half rebounds per game for us. She's going to be a hall of famer. And, you know, Chicago's got a, a deep history of basketball talent. Um, no shortage of it. And 
you know, she's one of the better ones as far as resume goes. You know, and the sky every couple of years bubble up. You know, they had the really good years with Elena Della Dunn. They made it to the w- WNBA finals a few years ago, made it to some conference finals uh, in the last few years. So every now and again, they bubble up and, and they, they they put together a run. And, you know, with, with Candace Parker, it's no reason to think they can't do that again this season. So we will keep our eye on the sky, literally, um, and, and hope that it's it's raining three balls. Uh uh, for the yeah. sky this season, they're they're two and three so far on the season. But Candace has only played in one of the games because she's got an ankle injury. So keep an eye on her if she's back playing with the sky. Please go out, check them out. Um, I believe they're playing at Wintrust Arena. Um, support the Chicago Sky. Uh, watch them on TV if you can find them. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a much more affordable way to attend and and watch some very. These girls all play their hearts out. I will say that for them. Um, I you know, promise they, you Candace Parker is worth the ticket. Yes, Candace Parker is worth the ticket. But all of the role players and everything like that, it still takes a lot of talent to make it to the WNBA. Uh, it's a little bit of different style of basketball, but it, it's just as interesting and, and can be fun. So go check it out. Yep. So we'll kind of update you on the season as it goes. Um but turning to one of the bigger sporting events of last weekend, uh, the PGA Championship. Proof that old can still be good. Um, I was watching NBA uh, inside the NBA on TNT the other night, and they did like oldest people to win their sports championships. And they, they stopped and looked at the list, and they're like, Phil Mickelson might be the oldest person in any sport to win a championship, which, you know, I get it. It's golf. I understand that. But but you almost had the perfect combination. You have a course that has no trees and a lot of wind and a dude with an incredible short game who literally can hit the ball under the wind. Yep. And that's what he did for four rounds at uh, Kiwina Island, Island, Island Golf, Golf Course in South Carolina. Yeah, lots of wind, lots of sand. Yep. Sand every. They, I don't believe they technically had any bunkers. No, they're all just because sand it's just areas. sand anyway. Right. So, um, so your wedges got some major workout this the, for for these four rounds. Yes, um, and you know Phil short game is second to none on any day. Uh, it's just whether he can keep those drives straight, which he did. Which he did, um, and he won. He was he finished six under, which. The winner of a major tournament, and by the way, uh, the PGA Championship is always renowned for having one of the toughest fields. And if your winner is at six under, that's a remarkably difficult tournament. Oh, no, they make that course. They stack that course. Um, some of the shots that, that were having to get made uh, were, were extremely difficult. And, you know, it was uh, very much interesting as a new newbie to the sport uh, to watch the pros kind of do their thing. Uh, and Lefty did it better than anybody else yeah. uh, and was the most consistent throughout the weekend. Um, the only kind of, if there is a negative to it, you know, when he's on 18, he kind of got kind of thronged. Um, oh, there were yeah. lots of people. It kind of reminded me a little bit of a, a the Happy Gilmore movie with a little, you know, a little rowdy. Look, I, I get it. We're, we're all coming out of our homes again and we're all going out and doing stuff again. But let's not be stupid when we do it. Well, both Phil and uh, Brooks Kepka, who finished second, who was also in that grouping at the end, um, who was behind Phil by two strokes at the end of it, uh, tied with Louis Oosthuizen. But Brooks Kepka uh, complained at the end because Brooks has a knee injury, a lingering knee injury that's been going on and hampered his career, frankly, for the last year or so. Um, and he said, uh, complained to the PGA that his knee got dinged. Was it his well word, quote unquote, dinged? It, it was it was a crowd on the border of out of control because There's, everybody had gone to the 18th tee. Um, and I don't know if, you know, we're just not used to that level of people, um, but they clearly did not have the adequate control of the crowd until it literally took like Phil almost to turn around and go, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'd like to win this thing now, um, but it didn't affect his game, his golf game at all, because he went out and hit an amazing second shot. He could have three putted his way to victory. Um, proof that old can still be good, man. Um, yeah, on his day, he's still really good. 
Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, you know, Phil. Tiger tweeted out that, you know, Phil's win was clearly inspirational. You know, Tiger being in his mid-40s, if he's still hoping to get out there. I mean, that's actually a bit of a story. That's the first time he's talked since his accident. Yeah. Um, that that he is going through probably uh, substantial rehab. The good news is he's into that phase. Um, that's good. Uh, but whether or not we will ever see him play golf again is a, still a little bit suspect. Uh, so we wish one of the greatest to ever play the game of golf uh, to get a, a recovery as soon as he can. Some other notable finishes uh, from the PGA, Colin Morikawa, the reigning champ, uh, finished tied for eighth at one under. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler, who has kind of been absent from leaderboards here recently, uh, kind of shot up there, also tied for eighth. Uh, your Masters champ, Hideki Matsuyama, finished tied for 23. He was one over. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, because everybody loves their DeChambeau, um, tied for 38th at plus three. One of, one of the, I, I don't know if it was ESPN or CBS commentators, kind of summed his weekend up where he goes, you know, in this wind, when all you want to do is try to drive through it, Mother Nature says you can't. Yeah, the, the way the course was set up, half the course you're hitting into, into the 20 mile per hour winds, and then the other half you're basically hitting with the wind. And then on Sunday, the wind shifted and yes. all the way around. Yeah, so you have to you really have to alter your game plan daily, basically. And, um, and when your game plan is, I'm just going to drive, like you know, talk about the Happy Gilmore strategy. Yeah, um, and, and it just didn't work for him this weekend. But and still, an incredibly talented guy. To prove just how tough the course was, uh, two top ten in the in the world, uh, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, who's number one in the world, didn't even make the cut. They got cut uh, after Friday, so. It just goes to show, like, it's tough. Golf is hard. Um, <laughs> the highest round score at the tournament, uh, and I, I put this out there. I didn't name the person. I always put it out there because, you know, us layman golfers always like to see how we can do. The highest score was an 88. My best all-time score on a course way, way easier than this was an 86. So My personal best is a 107, but, hey, that happened today. There you go. Hey, and cheers to that. There we go. Uh, yeah, I shot a 99. So clearly <laughs> uh, we are not at their level. No. Uh, nor no. will we be probably for at least a long time. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was a great tournament to watch. Beautiful golf course. Uh, very competitive. Yeah, very nice on a, on a big screen TV. Like that is just, you know, you can hear the sounds of nature, all of that. It's it's. It was worth it. Agreed. The security issue at the end was concerning, and the PGA has acknowledged it. They'll, they'll fix statement. that. They will. You know, it's, it's one of those things that they will come back, and you'll see you know, much more uniformed, uh, bigger presence of people, uh, not just um, you know, people who work for the course. Um, and I, I'll take care of that. I won't get too far into it, but there was a wonderful Twitter exchange between uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and Phil Mickelson. Afterwards, and if you guys are, oh, well, there's a rivalry between DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka that goes back a couple years now. But uh, if you want more in depth on golf or anything around golf, just let us know, and we can kind of delve into that a little bit more deeply. But yeah, I mean that's a sport with some you know, tons of deep storylines. If we we could easily tap into that for sure, if if people want us to do that, yeah. So let us know. Reach out to us on our Twitter at 4D Experience One yep. or our personal Twitters. Mine is at Daniel underscore Allen 44. And I'm at AFP 3626. And, and just because um, it's Memorial Day and it's nice to have it back at, at, at its regular time, uh, I don't know if we'll do a recap on it. We might do it next week, but the Indy 500 is tomorrow. So I'm super excited for that. Um, I'll be live probably tweeting. Uh, at least significant chunks of it, particularly if the guys that I'm rooting for are uh, up uh, in the standings, which uh, they very well could be. So uh, nice to have the Indy 500 back. There will be fans in the stands. That also makes a big difference. Um, so yay to to normalcy. Look out for our Indy 500 segment yep. next week. So uh, as always, super fun bringing everything to you, and we will catch you all on the next one.